Lord, you will show us the path of life, the fullness of joy in your presence at your right hand, happiness forever. Lord, show us the vision of this life that you have awaiting us. Keep this hope and this joy before us always. Many of you may know that I'm a bit of a cyclist. Um, I try to refrain from talking about cycling in my homilies all the time because um, if you know any budding cyclists, you would know that they could talk about cycling all day. So I do have a point. Um, I'll try and keep it brief and to the point. Um, I've enjoyed riding for a long, long time, but especially over the last year, um, I've taken it to a new level of seriousness, to, to greater lengths and greater heights, and um, been stretching myself a lot and achieving things that I didn't think I ever would have been able to do. Um, and I've been really affirmed that God was actually encouraging me to do this. It's been a, a good thing for me personally, and it's good to have a hobby, something to attain. It's good for me health-wise, physically, but I think God's been doing something spiritually um, in it for me as well. And the main thing that convinced me at the beginning of the fact that this was actually a move of God, it wasn't just me wanting to go and do something that I enjoyed, that God was actually calling me to, to be more ambitious in this and give time to it, was that I was so motivated by this vision of who I could be. I'd, I'd expressed this desire within me like, oh, you know, it'd be, this was early on last year, I was like, it'd be great to be, able, I would love to be able to ride 100 k's comfortably. And then I started kind of stretching my legs a little bit more, rode a little bit further, and that seemed possible. And then I, I was chatting with someone, um, and he was encouraging me that there's, there's this event, a classic Melbourne cycling event, that's actually a bit over 200 k's. And he was like, yeah, you'd be able to do that. And when I heard that, I actually, I, I started kind of picturing myself crossing the finish line, being able to actually do this ride and complete it. And this was such an exciting, motivating, inspiring thing for me. Here was this vision of, I can actually achieve that. I can actually be that good a cyclist, that fit, that determined, and to complete something that, that big. And it gave me the motivation, the inspiration to be able to, you know, knuckle down and actually be disciplined and train and um, give up sleep-ins to go out for long rides and um, all these various things that allowed me to do that. But... It was this vision of who I could be that gave me that motivation, that impetus to actually get there. Today, I want to reflect on how Paul encourages us to put away the former life and take up the new self, to clothe ourselves with the new life that Jesus promises us. Um, and so we're continuing this, this series about being dead to sin and alive to God. I think that's not possible if all that we have before us is the difficulties and the limitations and the frustrations and the sin and the weakness of our current state. We can't move into this radically new thing that God wants for us if we're only looking at the old self, if we're only looking at the now and, and the, the old self. Um, even if our focus upon these things is, I don't want to be in this sin anymore. I don't want to be um, in this kind of situation anymore. I don't want to be so weak and so limited. Unless we have a positive vision of what we can be like, we don't have that motivation to, to move forward. And this is 
um, what Jesus offers us in the resurrection. He offers us a vision of what our lives could be like, and it's, it's a truly exciting vision. It's a truly inspiring and motivating vision that should um, get our hearts going. We've been mentioning in the last few weeks how the, the, what's on offer in the resurrection is something radically new, something greater than we could than we've ever experienced, something greater than we could ever even imagine or hope for. The kind of freedom within ourselves um, that we've never experienced before. A kind of love for one another and love for God that we've never experienced before. The kind of um, relationship with God, closeness and intimacy with Him and desire for Him that we've never experienced before. This is what God invites us into in the life of the resurrection. This is the vision that he asks us to put before us. But how do, we, how do we picture this? How do we see this vision of this radically new life? Well, this is what the risen Jesus is for us. Jesus is that perfection of humanity, that perfect love, that perfect humility, that perfect courage and integrity and generosity that... He wants us to be. That's the kind of humanity that he wants to transform us into. When we look at the risen Christ, we see that vision of who he wants me to be, of who he says that I can be. He promises that by his grace, I can be transformed into his likeness. And then it doesn't only bring a motivation like the... the the necessary energy and impetus and inspiration for us to be able to move there because we can't attain the resurrection by our own strength, of course. It's not just about a self-improvement project of doing things better. But when we look upon this vision of glorified humanity that we see in the risen Christ, the new self is actually able to, to spring forth within us. When we set our hearts upon this vision of the resurrection, we begin to be transformed from the old self, from our weaknesses and our limitations. We begin to take on that life of the risen Christ and be freed from the old self. And we see a little bit of this transformation going on in the gospel today because we have Cleopas and his mate. Um, they're walking away from Jerusalem. This, and this is, this is the day of the resurrection. This is Easter Sunday still. They're leaving Jerusalem, perhaps they're going back home to Emmaus, or they're going to a friend's place, whatever it is. They're walking to Emmaus, and they're downcast. They're in a gloomy mood. They're sad, they're disappointed, they're confused a bit. Now, Jesus turns up and starts walking with them, but it says in the text, something prevented them from recognizing him. Why weren't they able to see Jesus, the risen Jesus, standing beside them, talking to them? because their focus was only upon their sorrow and their confusion and their disappointments and like this, this all doesn't make sense. They're walking along as if they're looking down at the ground and they can't see anything else. Jesus is standing in front of them but they can't see it because they're just looking at their own confusion. They're downcast in their disappointment and their sorrow. They're stuck in that old self. They, I don't think they would have wanted to be downcast. You even hear that in what they say to Jesus. Like, they don't want to be disappointed and hopeless and sorrowful. They would love to have some good news, but they're prevented from seeing it 
because they're just looking down, they're looking inwards. And we see they've actually heard the news of the resurrection already. They say that the women have gone to the tomb and they, they found that there was no body there and the angel said that Jesus was alive. And then they came back and told all the disciples and then some of the other men had gone as well and seen the same thing. They've heard the news of the resurrection. They tell Jesus that they've heard the news of the resurrection, but it hasn't moved them. It hasn't affected them at all because they're stuck looking inward at their disappointment and their sorrow. They're stuck in their gloom. And we can find ourselves just the same. We can be focused on our struggles. We can be focused on our weaknesses and our sins. We can come to Easter again and again, celebrate it every year, sing the hallelujahs and hear the gospel proclaimed and all those things. But does it actually bring joy to our hearts? Does it actually move us? Or are we just stuck in the old self, in the disappointments and the struggles of how we find life to be now? But then we see this transformation happens within them. So Jesus has turned up. He breaks open the scriptures for them as they walk along the road. And then when they come to table, he breaks open the bread for them. And it says they recognize him. And now they have seen the risen Jesus. They can, they can see him. Even though at that moment he disappears from their sight. Jesus isn't standing there before them anymore. But that doesn't matter because it's not just about seeing Jesus physically. It's about witnessing the risen Jesus in our hearts, encountering him and knowing him. It doesn't matter if he's standing before us or not. Because it didn't matter for them. Once they'd recognized him, they didn't need Jesus to be standing there before them. They had the joy of seeing the risen Christ. And we see how different they are because they've spent all afternoon gloomily walking away from Jerusalem. And in one line in the text, they've already raced back. Bang, they're back in Jerusalem. They're sharing the good news with the other disciples. They're rejoicing because they've seen the risen Christ. They'd heard the news of the events of the resurrection, but they hadn't received the good news. They hadn't been snapped out of their gloom, but now they had seen Jesus. They had recognized him and been transformed by looking upon this mystery of the risen Christ. And this is the kind of difference that we can find when we bring that vision before our eyes, when we look upon the risen Christ with our hearts set our minds upon him as we, as we live and as we walk. And, and, and when we do this, we can put away the former self. We can take up this new self that Jesus promises in the resurrection. And this is, this is the reason why we hope we see the promise of Jesus' transformed, risen life. This is the life that he promises that we can share in. And that vision transforms us. Again, not only giving us the motivation to live better and to be more like Christ, but it allows, us, it allows us to just become more like Christ by looking upon him. It's a transformative vision to have in our minds. And so I just want to reflect a bit on practically how we can take this turn ourselves, how we can recognize the ways in which we get stuck on the old self, stuck looking inwards, and how we can raise our eyes and look at the risen Jesus. 
And we might want to think about what are these areas of our life, our, our sin or our brokenness or perhaps our un- unhealthy ways of thinking that we just get so stuck in and perhaps we're even so used to it that we've just accepted that this is a part of life, that this is just how I am. Perhaps we've even accepted that I'm just going to fall into this sin again and again and again. Or I'm just going to fail in this way again and again and again. Is there a hope there that that Jesus is actually going to bring us freedom, going to bring us new life? Perhaps we've even accepted these areas, these areas of brokenness or ways of thinking as part of our identity. That this is the truth of who I am. And we don't even believe, perhaps, that we can be otherwise, that we can be changed, that we can be freed, that we can be different, that God has a life in store for us that's different to this. Can we believe that? And so it can be good then to consider this vision of the risen self, of what Jesus offers us in the resurrection, of what does spiritual growth look like for me? Okay, what, what does holiness look like for me? What would it be like if, if Jesus actually freed me from this way of thinking or from this area of struggle? What would holiness look like if I was actually transformed by the grace of God? We can see this as well by actually pondering, meditating on Jesus and what we see there in his life. What do I see in Jesus that I want to be true of myself? His gentleness or his humility, his love or his generosity, his courage perhaps to proclaim the truth, to do the will of God. Another way we can see this is actually looking at those around us. I hope we all have people in our lives that we look at and we're like, hmm, I'd like to be a little bit more like him or her. What is it about that person's Christ-likeness that makes me want to be a bit more Christ-like? What is it about the vision of um, Christ's life that I see in their life? And how does that make me want to live? How does that make me want to live differently to how I'm living now? There's a necessary tension in trying to keep this vision before us. Father Dan said last week that the Christian life necessarily involves attention because we we do day in day out experience our limitations our weaknesses and our struggles and so there's it's it can be so much easier to just focus upon those things but to to lift our gaze and look at this vision of how God intends us to be how he promises that we can be by his grace that that takes a bit of attention to to lift our gaze elsewhere. It takes the, that tension of hoping in something that we haven't quite experienced yet that's beyond our understanding, but we're hoping in that promise. We're hoping that what, what I'm experiencing here and now is not the truth of my life. It's not the truth of how God wants me to live. The truth of who I am is in the resurrection. It's in God's promises. It's in the grace that God will bring me to transform me into something new. This psalm that we prayed today is a beautiful expression of this hope. And Peter 
as he's preaching on the day of Pentecost, in our first reading from Acts, he's speaking about Jesus going to his death. And he quotes this psalm, saying that this is what was in Jesus' mind. This is Jesus' attitude as he went to his death. That I saw the Lord before me always, for with him at my right hand nothing can shake me. For you will show me the path of life and you will fill me with gladness through your presence. Because even though all around him was the experience of the old self, his experience in the passion was just one of death and sin and weakness and loneliness. But he hoped in the love of his father who he knew was promising him life. And that nothing was going to stop him from sharing in that life that the Father had in store for him. And so we can hope with Jesus that whatever the, the struggle of the old self that we wrestle with today, that my life is actually what Jesus is promising me. My life is what the Father's love wants to bring about in my heart when he transforms me. And so we can die to the old self. We can let the old self be crucified and buried with Jesus just as he took all of our sin into the grave, knowing that out of the tomb was going to come new life. And that transformation is born through that hope that we can carry. Hope in that promise of the vision of the risen Christ. That's, that's not only the transformation that Jesus go, undergoes, but that's the transformation he promises for all of humanity, that he will raise our bodies to a life that we can't even imagine, a freedom that we can't even imagine. This is the promise that we can hope in because in this promise is our life. Hello, Father Dan here. If this homily has been helpful, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast or share this episode with someone who might find it helpful. And consider also helping us to expand our mission and reach out to more people by donating at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash donate or you can click on the link in the podcast description. Thanks so much for joining us and have a blessed week.